Hello, and welcome to this very special episode of the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association. Pornography. Some call it addictive. Some say it's the reason each generation has less and less interest in sex due to the ease of access. Some say it will make you incels or teach wives that women can orgasm just like the men can. But we here at Gaeka have discovered the truth! Tonight, I am joined by two of my favorite true truth knowers as we learn all about this evil form of media as we review pornography, colon, a thriller. First up, you may know her from the time she teamed up with Sarah Palin to look into the death panels, only to find out Palin was the judge, the jury, and the death panels themselves. It's Amelia. My name's Amelia, uh, and y'all, I don't mean to hijack this episode, but I really need to get this off my chest, okay? I had an epiphany last night while I was watching videos on, um, you, uh, U-Hub. You probably don't know about that, so anyways, okay, cool. <laughs> this is gonna sound a little crazy, but, 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 what if the porn industry, quote-unquote, is really really just an elaborate attempt to brainwash all of us into lustful passivity so Nicolas Cage can finally steal the Declaration of Independence. What? Please come at me with your story. I can find the nefarious navigator on Instagram. Why do you keep doing this to me, Amelia? You know I have to come after you. <laughs> Next up, they looked into it and found out Care Bears can't melt steel beams. It's Ro. Hello, everybody. My name is Ro, and I'm here to tell you those lesbians in the porn videos you're watching, the ones with the really long nails, those aren't actually lesbians. Stop it. You stop it. <laughs> and you can find me on twitch.tv slash row. Pornography, colon, a thriller, is the first and only feature film by director David Kitteridge and has a surprising number of cast members from the series The Lair. As this is a thriller, I will emphasize that there are twists and turns and mysteries that might not be that might be covered by us tonight. Because of that, we're not going to do a synopsis. I'm basically going to do a teaser, and then we're going to get into spoilers during the discussion. This is something we're probably going to switch to from now on for the more obscure films to give an idea of what they're like in case someone wants to check them out. Instead of just saying uh, the name, because, again, uh, we believe you should go and experience as much media as you can. And probably going through the whole story, uh, staying that experience for some people. So, we're sorry, those people. Um, anyway, so here is what pornography, colon, a thriller, is about. The film focuses on gay adult film actor Mark Anton, who has been retired from acting and is trying to move on with his life. He's even got a serious boyfriend. <laughs> no, we never see. Uh, things aren't going too well for him, though, as his attempt to switch to photography is marred by rejection from his teacher and peers, and his only real form of income comes from selling his body. 
This is why an offer from an old producer for a private video comes at a very opportune time, but something feels off during their meeting, and the ramifications of his actions afterwards will end up having a bigger impact than he ever could imagine. This is a widening story that takes influence from classic noir, surrealist, and psychological thrillers, and if that sounds like your thing, go check it out. As for us, it's spoilers ahead as I ask my true truthers what they thought of the film, which is also known by me as the Cock Ringu. <laughs> what a great name. <laughs> um, you can use that if you want, guys. <laughs> there was a lot, I think, more right than there was wrong with this movie, although the things that were wrong with this movie were fairly obvious and, like, easy to see. I know Amelia has feels about this movie. <laughs> so I feel like this movie had a lot of elements, right? Of something that would have been like a very compelling and like good movie to me. Um, but it just seemed a little confused. Like it, it was going, trying to go into too many different horror movie directions. And it kind of took me out of the movie. Um, and I think that there were a lot of parts in the movie that had potential to be like really cool and interesting scenes. But like, it, they weren't edited well. Um, one part, in, like one scene in particular that I'm thinking about is um, that scene where the writer guy and like the second, um, not vignette, but like, you know, the, the second like situation that was happening with like the yeah. apartment and stuff. Yeah. Um, he like goes to like that snuff movie showing or whatever. And like it's very obvious that the director is going for more of like a surrealistic, like nightmarish kind of feel with that. Um, and it was kind of there, but I think if there had been a lot more of like kind of quick cuts back and forth in between the um, people watching the movie, him walking down the hallway in the mask, maybe like the staging of the actual people watching the movie, like having them in more uneven levels so that like it's just all around disconcerting. Things like that would have made this movie go from, like, a eh, good idea, but, like, you know, mm, to, to like, oh, this is actually something, like, I might want to go see a couple of times. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. My main complaint with this movie is it tries to be so vague that you come to your own conclusions, but it doesn't really give enough like pieces of the puzzle um and so like i agree with you that i think the editing needs to be a lot better in this film because mm -hmm. it just flat out the story is not execute is not really executed very well it, it's made even worse the fact that it's cut <laughs> into three different quote-unquote like chapters with three different protagonists with each with their own sort of like story within um, right and these stories are supposed to be, like, intertwined. They're supposed to be, like, connected to each other. But, like, what is, like, the actual connection between story two and story three besides this one phone call from uh, the protagonist of two to the protagonist of three? You know? And that's the thing. That, that was another thing that kind of I felt was very confusing with the way that this was edited together and, like, you know, put forward as like a final product right because you have the same actor playing different roles in like the different chapters and you don't really 
get too much resolution about the character that they're playing in, like, the different chapters, and, like, they could have very easily tied that together by, like... So one example in particular that I'm thinking of when I'm saying this is, like, in that second chapter, uh, his boyfriend, I guess, gets possessed, and, like, he shows up, like, all beat up and, like... uh, snuff film Leatherface like punches him out right and we don't really see what happened or like get too much information about what happened and like then it just cuts to like the next chapter where there's like a production assistant or something that's played by the same guy that plays the guy's boyfriend in the second chapter but they're clearly not the same person yeah. But that would have been a really good opportunity of a place where, like, if you had just made them be the same person, you could have easily, like, resolved what happened in that second chapter and that third chapter. I will say that I do like the... I, I like the idea of using the same actor in different roles. There's this movie called Anomalisa, uh, a stop-motion mm-hmm. film, and I think there's only, like, three people in the entire cast. Uh, and it's because uh, this... The main character is so kind of like out of it that he basically only sees everyone as the same. And so it's basically every character in this movie besides this guy and the girl he eventually develops feelings for and has a romantic uh, relationship with have the same exact voice and it is so well executed because he's just like he's so bored and out of it and i think mm-hmm. they could have done something interesting with using a smaller uh cast than they already had but recontextualizing mm-hmm. them and like sort of resorting them for each of the individual chapters so yeah uh, but also making the characters more distinct from one another. And I think that's something that I really had a problem with in this movie, especially when it comes to the recasting, is the distinction between characters just wasn't very strong. Right? Yeah. You don't have a lot of variety when it comes to like looks we don't have a lot of variety when it comes to character and so it's really hard to distinguish a lot of these people from each other which is why when we got to chapter three i was really excited for like five to ten minutes because it had like it was such like a rush of personality that it seemed like okay finally like that we're gonna get like a big charismatic sort of like end third act kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And then that kind yeah. of slowly devolved. I, I think- agree. I think also just the the separation between chapters could have been executed in a way that was a little more clear. Right. Because I didn't realize, like you said, that there were different characters until like some part in the second act where I was like, oh no, this is a completely different person, I guess. It just seemed like it was going to be an exact continuation. I don't know. Anyways, Ro, you were saying? Um, yeah, I feel like this movie, what it really is, is like a proof of concept of a really great story idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I could imagine, and <laughs> I ha- I hate to turn this into another one of those episodes where we just rewrite an entire movie 
but I can imagine. <laughs> That's I can the imagine it. From now on. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine like a three-part story about a guy who keeps dreaming about a dead porn star, and like in order to figure out what's happening, he like turns to this book writer who's a porn historian. And together they kind of home detective their way to a, a like a snuff film club, like that would be way cooler. <laughs> that would have been really this is, cool. This is, this is a thing, and I feel I feel really stupid. Like this film has made me feel stupid. So I guess congratulations. Uh, I, you you've you've uh, outed me as a dumb person that doesn't really understand film at all. Um, so, is the snuff film cursed, or... I mean... Like, I don't... It okay, did so seem this that is... way, but, like, they didn't lean into it, right? Because, like... Because if that was the case, like, you know, the third guy, Matthew, wasn't even... He didn't even see the snuff film until, like, later on, and yet he was he being cursed by, I guess, like, the thought friend. of it. It's like a chain porno. Um, but I think like the reason he got involved is because he sort of out of body to script. <laughs> you know what I mean? Full so of information. So don't do cocaine, or you'll be no cursed. business knowing. <laughs> but don't do cocaine, a... or you'll be targeted by a snuff film cult. The 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 rules of this just kind of. I know. It, it, I know, going back to it, it's like I know this is a surrealist film. It's supposed to be interpreted however you want, but there still needs to be like you know rules to I it. I feel, I feel like this would have been a really good trilogy, right? I was thinking about this earlier. Like, what if in the first film, right? I love Rose's idea of the the screenwriter and the book writer like solving the mystery together right so the first movie is that nice the second movie that's has the supernatural element right mm-hmm. right maybe with like the cursed photo whatever whatever kind of like lean into that supernatural like ringu lore type deal right third movie wraps up those two movies together there you have a little bit more room to have like both those elements work together, which I think the the director and creator of this like film were kind of going for, but like they just didn't execute it very well. <laughs> I kind of feel like this would be my suggestion to fix the film. Um, I want. The first part, chapter one, with Mark at Anton, Aton, whatever. I, I want that shortened to f- five minutes, and then you get the stinger, you know, the the, the title stinger, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Because uh, how it works right now is we get, like, a preview of, like, kind of the later on in the movie, and then the title sequence, which the title sequence is really good. I love the title sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree, but like cold was great. Cold open with uh, basically the lead up of uh, Mark Anton, former porn star, um, having to do like one last thing, makes 
uh, you know, kills the dude, goes to what he thinks is an easy job, and ends up getting killed off himself. And that's where you hit, like, the titles uh, sequence. Then you jump to Matthew, the screenwriter, uh, as he wakes up from a dream that he had, and he's writing it down and ties that into it. The interv- uh, t- uh, introduce, uh, the interviewer, who I did not bother to learn their name, um, sort of simultaneously so the stories are going together. And, you know, the interview that he does, that was originally the beginning of it, have that be with the interview guy from Chapter 2 originally, and have their stories more intertwined so that basically it makes more sense where the movie eventually leads. Um, and th- from the information that Matthew gets from the interviewer, who literally like can get his hands apparently on any single porn he wants, and snuff film, <laughs> like that information that gets fed to Matthew about this one porn star that he's already writing about and trying to capture in a film if it leads him more and more deranged until we get to the end where he believes he is that porn star. Basically, kind of a fucked up porn version of Perfect Blue. <laughs> yep, that's a, how that's a is great it idea. Episode, <laughs> how is it episode... Like <laughs> this is technically 51, yeah? That's right, yeah, because what was released. Okay, yeah. How are yeah. we at episode 51 and Perfect Blue just now came up? <laughs> because because Tokyo Godfathers is episode eighty nine. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Tokyo Godfathers is ex- episode eighty nine. <laughs> you can find it on our award winning teasers. Um, but uh, yeah, like I mean. You're, you're, it's better than Dream Boy, but, you know, it's, it feels like there's some good ideas in, in this movie that I really love. It just needs to be put together better. It's, it feels like a Lego set for something really cool, like the Rock Raiders ones, uh, and then you're like, oh, I don't need the instructions to put this together, and you put and it together, it and it turned. kind of, it kind of looks, it kind of looks like it does on the box, but not quite, you know. Right. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. Um, but like, I agree that there are some really like interesting elements, like when the guy from number two, whose name I also did not bother to learn discovers all the uh, camera mounts in his home Mm -hmm. and he realizes like exactly what must have and like I would love to have expanded on like why the camera mounts and why was the snuff film hidden there in the first place I thought they filmed the snuff film there we don't really get resolution on that and I think that there were like a couple of moments that were interesting because from my understanding like that was actually the original guy's like apartment right his actual apartment not like the place where the snuff films were made correct i thought it was the place the snuff films were 
were made. It's kind of confusing because it is 14 years later, so it's not like he just di- disappeared and You see, died. dear listeners, right. well, nothing is made I remember at clear. one point. <laughs> I yeah, I remember I remember at one point he's looking at the photographs that are getting sent to him. It's like right after we hear the mail or the lady at the PO box office be like, "Are you sure you don't have a stalker?" And they flash to, like, the scene of him, like, developing those photos in the dark room that he destroyed by turning the light on. And I feel like I remember being very specifically, like, that is where those photos were hung in that scene when he's in the apartment. So my understanding was that he figured out, and that's also where he hid the snuff film behind the bookshelf. So I, I was just very confused. I was very confused by that. I would have liked some more clarity, and I think well, just wouldn't like have been said, with some better editing. It wouldn't have been him that hid the snuff film that he was in, though. But that he was the one that said it in the movie. He said something about behind the bookshelf, and that's when the writer is like, "Aha, behind the bookshelf!" And he goes back to the original place where he found the snuff film and finds the card with the information about the movie theater. I'm, I'm not arguing. I'm not like. I'm just saying, like, if you are part of, if you are the victim in a snuff film, you're probably not going to be the one who put the tape. No, I I understand that. I'm just saying that's why I was very confused by that entire thing, because exactly, it doesn't make sense. He was in the snuff film. He was already dead. How did he go back to his apartment and hide it? Because he's a ghost and cursing people. I guess. You but see, like, this don't is get a resolution about that. Like, there's just this too is much, why too this many. is why this movie series needs Ringu too. <laughs> Cock Ringu too. <laughs> Cock Ringu too. <laughs> is there a porn named that? <laughs> Let's not look it up and say we did. Um. So, <laughs> why don't we talk? We've talked a lot about sort of the story of the film. Uh, story is only some of film. To carry the story, you need some people, debatably. Sometimes you can just use socks. How do you feel like the actors did overall <laughs> in this movie? I love your sock videos. Oh, yes, the actors did amazing. <laughs> um, you know... Yeah, I th- I thought the actors were pretty good. It wasn't it wasn't like Oscar, you know, worthy, I guess or whatever, but like it it felt fine to me. <laughs> I think like I think they did a great job with the people they had. Yeah. You know what I mean? The only actor I really didn't like or I guess the character I didn't like. He did it seemed like he did a good job for the character. I just didn't like the character. I didn't like Mark. It was like this this film is kind of like my fifth relationship. It started out really bad, but it got really good after I had broken up with the guy. Um, <laughs> what do you think is the strongest as- element or aspect of this film? I think I actually really like the look of this film in places. I I think the pacing is fucked, but yes, um, like <laughs> like. The shots in the apartment that were taken from the angles where the camera mm-hmm. mounts used to be placed, for instance, that would flash between, like, regular film and, like, surveillance footage. I thought that was really cool. Um, 
and like I see it said, I think the like the bare bones of the story is really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of potential in this movie to be something really good. Um, I just don't Do think they hit the mark. Think, um, so quick, uh, so quick side note: like, I was watching this movie and like I saw like the the effects they use, and like the first thing that came to mind. Because this was this was made around the time I started college was like oh, that's a FCP five and SCP seven effect like I used that in a short film and I got really excited it was just nostalgia for me. Um, <laughs> that's really funny because the thing that I said I was gonna save until my like we do our wrap up was literally like this whole movie feels like a bunch of talented college students making a movie. Right? Yeah. Like, it does it, kind of feel like somebody so made it in potential. film school. It <laughs> like, feels like somebody made it in film school. Yeah. You know what? It's the, like a talented, like, they're, you know, once they get a budget and, like, a really good editor on staff and, yeah. like, you know, a really good sound guy, I think that was one of the marks that this movie really missed. But if they had a really good sound guy and, like, a really good editor and a big budget, or not even a big budget, but, like, a decent budget to make, like, some good gory special effects... This would have been a great movie. If this had even been like an anthology like type situation where like Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you know how many gay anthology films there are? Not many. <laughs> <laughs> um and that would have given like each that would have been interesting because it would have given each, you know, chapter each part its own style too, which mm-hmm. which could have been really fun because the first two parts are pretty much the same sort of tone the same pacing and it only gets interesting with for in my opinion uh with like the third part you know which kind yeah. of like throws things which uh throw things together i will say i've seen the lair and a few other things that some of these some of the actors have been in and they are really good uh the guy who played mm-hmm. jason Steele um was also in i think vampire boys 2 uh, it might be the first Vampire Boys, so technically we've seen him twice. By the and way, we... hold on for Vampire Boys 2. It's coming. <laughs> Episode 81. <laughs> um, I will say, the the other thing about the look of this film, I just, I, I want to quote uh, an overquoted movie and just say, um, Satan says you need more color. <laughs> this is a really interesting movie because it is it's not perfect by any means Mm -hmm. and there but there's so many interesting aspects to it i think that both good and bad like you can nitpick and point out you know hey the bar scene is the most empty bar I've ever seen in a movie, period. Uh, like, it put the bar in Nine Dead Gay Guys to shame as far as, oh, like, bodies. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for Especially real. for being in New York City. How is this in New York City? And there's only two people in a bar. This is the worst bar ever. Also, that bar was a missed opportunity to, like, have a really cool, like, surrealist scene. I would have rather have seen the bar scene... Ooh, maybe like all three anthology pieces are tied together by the bar scene. Ooh. And that's how he gets into like the snuff movie theater. But I will say it's really refreshing to see a movie 
that we've watched um, mm-hmm. really go for a hyper stylization uh, and really commit to it. Um, oh, yeah, something, for real. Because, like, that's <laughs> for specifically for, like, low budget. Because, like, most of the low budgets that we've seen either are, like, talk heavy um, or, you know, they're dependent on, you know, penises, which we've got 3.5 penises, maybe four. So, you know, we can't really complain that it's, that it didn't live up to its title. Um, but, like, for a low-budget independent film to really commit to, like, a certain style and try to make it work and especially with its look like kudos especially like you know when this film was released like kudos for that that's really cool indeed i'm still kind i'm still i'm still really confused about the ending like i still don't get it so like are they gonna are they gonna kill guy number three or like or is guy three now become guy number one uh you know, like why, why, why is guy two or guy two's boyfriend in the in the diner? Why aren't it just and it ends so abruptly? Like it, it doesn't even like give you time to like breathe or really think about like what could be going on. It just like I think that's the thing I hate the most is it just ends without giving you time to really sort of, like, soak in and think, like, oh, this is what's going on, actually, though. Right. I kind of felt the same way. Like, this is a pretty long movie, and for me to have unanswered questions by, like, one hour fifty in is kind of, um... Like, you had plenty of time. You can definitely wrap up your loose ends there's no excuse not to mm-hmm. unless you're unless you're going for that kind of ending in which you definitely need a lot more time to flesh that out and why would you add more time to a movie that's already like a minute like almost two hours long you know, I'm going to say it, like, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 had some really, like, dreamlike moments, because, you know, it's Dream Monster and stuff. Um, but even that gave us, like, sort of, like, a, a solid ending that gave us a definitive answer about, like, what happened. Like, while still giving us, you know, things to go back and rediscover along the way. Um... And I think this film is going more for, like, the Jacob's Ladder sort of ambiguous ending. But it's just kind of hard, even on repeated, like, viewings, to put together what the end goal is supposed to mean for us. Yeah. And again, that's probably me because I'm stupid right now. I didn't get a solid sense of where the story was supposed to go. Right. Yeah, I agree. 
So this is the director's first and last feature film uh, at the time of this recording. Uh, do you think that this film should have given them a chance at making a follow-up? Yes, I would like to see a follow-up. I w- or maybe just this concept remade into something new on Netflix or something. <laughs> Text me after this, Amelia. We'll rewrite it. <laughs> and just just for like kicks and giggles, we'll never film it or anything. We'll just have this script. (laughs) How many films have you rewritten on this podcast? I mean, so many, but, like, how many times have we actually followed up on our ideas? None. (laughs) Zero. (laughs) Do you think that this... what, What do you think can be learned from this film? Like, if future filmmakers like we're watching films and this one was one of the ones they decided to watch just to kind of learn from it. What do you think the biggest impact of this film is? I think the importance of a good musical score and like a, an editor with a good eye for like cuts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I are my two big ones. Constantly surprised by how, good the music in this movie is all right well uh let's solidify that then as we come it up um amelia did this movie make you <laughs> did this movie make you want to do a new cool couple activity of looking for kit? Uh, looking for camera mounts in your apartment or not tell your boyfriend you're going to a dangerous smut cult well you're most likely be caught and murdered i mean well i would obviously invite my boyfriend if i were gonna go to an uh a secret of smut cult obviously um but yeah no i mean i recommend this movie it you know it was good it definitely you know it it was interesting enough like it kept my interest in like, long enough to watch the whole movie. I, I recommend it. Ro, after watching this, do you want to follow your dream of being a photographer or just sit at a coffee bar and do a crossword puzzle? I mean, sitting at a coffee bar and doing a crossword puzzle sounds like something I would do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, in the context of this question, no, I would not do that. Like... It's a good enough movie, and I'm not going to tell people to not watch it, because it's definitely... Like Amelia said, it's interesting enough. Would you say that this movie was all a dream? Sorry, all a crossword puzzle? <laughs> That's the only I actually really, I, I actually really like crossword puzzles. I wish I were better at them. Man, imagine having just the perfect crossword puzzle that just, like... Every word is like something you're doing. Like right. revenge. Uh, suspicion and stuff like that. Man, whoever whoever wrote that crossword that week was just really on their game. Oh yeah. Really stalker behavior. <laughs> <laughs> it was the fan who was in class with him all along. My, okay, so I wrote in my notes about that that little fanboy at college. Anybody 
who says something to you like, there's no such thing as the past or the future. We only live in now. Is definitely trying to get into your pants. <laughs> or a theater kid. <laughs> <laughs> True. Or both. Anyway, that's what we think, but if you've seen this movie written and watching it later, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your experience with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at GayAcapod, that's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for new suggestions, and we can't wait to explore more movies with you. I have Neo Kitchen. Is it just me, or do murderous smut cults really have bad logo design? Later. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. The question everyone's asking. <laughs> <laughs>